Welcome everybody to the Sailing Legends podcast. This is your host, Diane Allen, and I am here with Kat Robinson Malone, who I've known for many, many years. I don't even know how many years, but a lot of years. And she is a dynamite sailor. And I asked her to be on the show because she has so many cool experiences to share with you. So this show right here is being sponsored by the Someone Gets Me Experience. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. But I wanna welcome Kat onto the show and get us started with her sailing story. Welcome, Kat. Thanks, Diane. And yeah, it's been, there's a lot of water under the keel that we've shared. So I'm glad that we had a chance to to get together and, and speak a little bit about sailing and of course, connecting it to just your life and your experience that you have um, while you're here. So as far as like how I, I learned to sail, I'm a Midwesterner. Um, my family is from Kansas. This was not something that I grew up doing. I I really didn't have a background in water short of water skiing and some power boats. When I moved to Tampa to go to grad school, a friend of mine uh, just was out of the blue said, hey, do you want to get to know people in Tampa who may or may not be, you know, kind of interesting or have cool stories? And I'm like, yes, I'd love to meet like some cool people outside of graduate school that, you know, are gainfully employed or, you know, kind of Oops, I'm so sorry I didn't put my phone on silent. Um, but we'll just keep going. Um, one second. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Diane. That would be my iPad that I I did not realize was still on. So anyway, um, we'll just roll with that. Um, as far as like learning how to sail, I came down to Davis Island on a Thursday night, um, not knowing anyone. Um, not having any skill, um, not having any really kind of plan, and I asked to get on a boat. And the first boat that I got on was Radar um, Peachy's Some Fun Now. And I went out and I had a blast. And then I got on other boats and kind of just kind of found it to be a good space. Um, people were friendly, they had interesting stories, um, and they, they were willing to take someone that had no clue what they were doing on a boat. Um, and so after that first season, I did a cruise down to uh, the Dry Tortugas and Key West with some friends. I found that that was a lot of fun. And then when I came back, I just kind of kind of got plugged in. And I blame it all, as far as my racing goes, I blame that all on um, Suncoast Race Week uh, 2003. I was not racing it. I showed up down at Davis Island on a Friday night. Um, it was when the club was still in the old clubhouse. Yes, and I, I was that. talking to some friends outside. I was dressed up to go out um, with some girlfriends afterwards. And Chris Liebel wandered over um, and asked if I wanted to go sailing. And I was like, well, no, it's not Thursdays. I mean, it's Friday. Like, why would I go sailing? And he goes, no, no, there's a regatta. Would you like to race? And I said, yeah. He goes, we'll be here at seven um, and, you know, pack a bag because we'll stay in Brainton because it was Suncoast Race Week. So I footnoted that, said, yeah, I'll go. Um, went in to get a drink from the bar and coming out of the bar, smacking me in the in the face with the with the door and a and a and a tray of rum drinks uh, was this big, obviously intoxicated gentleman who explained to me that he loved me. And I looked at him and I said, if only I thought you meant that and walked away. 
I'm very upset at this this man. Um, fast forward about uh, six months and I was married to him. So that was my husband, Brian Malone. He is a much calmer creature then, or now than he was then. Um, but that evening brought me my racing um, and brought me my husband, um, which I want to say that was in 2003, we're 2021, and there's been a lot more sailing and a lot more stories and things like that, too. So that's kind of how I got involved. Um, Thursday nights or are, are any kind of open sailing is a great way to get invested and involved, try it out, but then also just to, to show up and say yes. Yes, I think that's a really big point. It's just show up, put yourself in the ring and say yes and follow the adventure. So on that first Suncoast Raced Week weekend, mm -hmm. What did you think about it? Regattas going destination to destination because that's different than Thursday nights. It was it, super, you loved it, right? It was super different. It was, it was a very different team setting. Um, the the majority of people on the boat were all super qualified. I had no idea at the time that I'd stepped onto a pretty, you know, kind of I guess you'd say uh, supported program. Um, they'd won boat of the year. Uh, it was a J35, and it, it had people that knew what they were doing. Um, and because I was willing to say, hey, I have no idea what any of this is um, beyond the basics that I'd learned um, from, from Thursday nights, they kind of put me into places. I'm about six feet tall, and I'm relatively Midwestern stocky. So I wasn't going to be, I was going to have to have a position on a boat in a sense. Um, so they, they put me at mast, which was a lot of work, but at the same time gave me the chance to learn a little bit from, um, his name is Ron Hyatt, but he goes by Hacksaw to learn from somebody who had done bow a lot. And he kind of just starting that day, he was like, well, if you really like this, like, I can teach you. And I was like, perfect. I want, I want to know how, how this part of the boat, boat works. So it was good to kind of be part of a group. And honestly, it was a space where I was hyper aware that gender has a role in sailing. And I know that we're all working on how to negotiate different aspects of gender and different aspects of identity on a boat. And it was one of the places that that race kind of kind of highlighted that that it wasn't so much about me being a girl or me being anything. It was about me having a job and a role and being part of a team. And it was something that I had not really seen on Thursday nights, which had been a little more, you know, like oh, you know, let's bring a bunch of girls out. You know, it was it, Thursday nights were a little more socially casual, and this was the first time I was like, doesn't matter that you're a girl. Doesn't matter what you look like or what you think. Are you part of the team and are you willing to do some work to be part of the team? And so it was a good experience in that case. Um, as far as the destination experience, I remember thinking, how do people do this for more than a day? <laughs> because it was, it was, I was not prepared for it. Like in the sense that I brought, like, I think I was wearing like terry cloth, like swim short things. I mean, I was not... I was not ready for like, like being out in the sun all day and doing all this and then getting somewhere and being like, oh, okay, so we're, we're staying on the boat and stuff like, okay, it's like camping. Um, that is, it's a, it's an auspicious start because now I do. And in the last couple of years, I've, I've 
taken up ocean racing, which is the penultimate extreme camping. Um, if you want to, if you want to take that metaphor out. <laughs> I yeah. could just see you doing that. That's cracking me up. Yeah, it's like we're camping on the boat. Exactly. Oh, okay, sure. Here we are. I, I, yeah. I was thinking um, when you were talking about one of the races that you and I sailed on the same boat together, I believe it's probably Semper Fi, mm -hmm. um, and you were calling wind and everybody was telling you to call wind and you were, you were really good at calling wind and you <laughs> learned it really well. And you turned around with this like perfectly straight face. I just, I'll, I'll never forget it. You'll go, well, it was because I was racing Kansas in the cornfields. Like, of course I can see the wind. <laughs> and it confused the other people on the boat, like how you got that trajectory. I thought it was a, ge a genius line. And I still think about it. And um, I go, see, you can learn how to do, it's a transferable skill. Yeah. Cornfield to calling wind on the water. And, and I always, whenever I see you or think of you, I think of that, like the look on your face was like, so like, well, matter of fact, and the guys, they didn't know what to do with that information. <laughs> It was precious. <laughs> no, and 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 sailing has such a um, it's such a generational sport. So when people come into it, not that you can't come into it late, like you. I mean, I was twenty five when I started. Um, I think you can because it is it is an ever evolving experience. But I think a lot of individuals, like you said, are just shocked that you would have the skill or this experience so far removed from right from being on the water because it is it is something you pass on and and we're going through that right now with our six well soon to be six year old she's five in her shipmates little sailing camp in that we have just realized that um after having a chat with her coach yesterday because she's a little bit competitive and this is not learn to race or, or this is just basic learn to sail right but she has a tendency to want to win um we're trying to like we've never seen this before um and so i was talking with the coach and i'm like i don't know why she's this way i mean she's it's just supposed to be fun right you guys aren't racing or anything he goes he goes well she just thinks she knows she's told people she knows how to sail she's going to win and I got to talking with my husband, Brian, and we, he's like, she's never not heard us talk about sailing as a competitive sport. Like her upbringing from when she was, I mean, I, I raced, raced with her. I was pregnant like eight months, my last race with her. So she's mm -hmm. always been like on the water is com competition. So generationally speaking, I came up with it as this was something fun that I did and I enjoyed it. She's coming up with it as no, you win when you sail. So we are. We had a long conversation yesterday about like we need to recalibrate our conversations and our experiences so that we aren't just like we aren't just going out and participating in naval warfare every weekend. That <laughs> we are actually enjoying this. And I think that that the story of like thinking about like what I brought from Kansas into the water is also thinking about what we bring off the boat to um and how we might yeah. want to reframe that you know um or at least at least get the six-year-old not as uber competitive in an opti to begin with <laughs> right so. and so i totally relate to your six-year-old because my parents were always racing boats and that's all we knew and mm -hmm. i don't remember any day of my life where i wasn't like always on the water like i'm sure yeah. there was when i was first born but i don't remember them and that's all I knew. I remember going to college and going, what do people talk about? Like all we talked about was racing sailboats. Mm -hmm. 
and the weather. Yeah. And racing sale, but like, like and then it stopped. And so I'm in at the University of Florida and going, these people are talking about what all this stuff. No, you know, and I, I would drive home every weekend and go race boats and, and it was just a weird kind of thing. So I totally relate to her. Like, of course, that's all there is winning and racing. Yeah, exactly. Like, totally makes sense. And especially because you and Brian race a lot and, and she's around all of us who race a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just you guys. No, no, she's, she's steeped in it. So we're, we're working on it. We're working on, on that, that important transferable skill of not being a bad sport of engaging in, in respect for others and self. So. Right. Well, I remember being taught that you stay and you clap for the people who beat you uh -huh. and you stay till the very end, even if you lost it. And, and I remember it being really very firmly taught to my brother and I from my mom and the other sailors at the time to of, of sportsmanship and yeah. respect and doing the right thing. And it's a Corinthian sport. And there is a there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than sometimes people realize as far as what it teaches you. Yeah. You know, and so this will be really fun. She'll be really good. I'm glad <laughs> we need we need more women sailors. So, yay. Yeah. <laughs> so when you think, well, you know, you've had so many different experiences I we could go off forever. But one of the things I would like you to talk about is the idea of um, like connection and family and lessons and like how the whole sailing community for you uh -huh. has evolved into its own connection of family and what that means to your life today. Yeah, it's it's a. It's something that I didn't know I was looking for or didn't even know I was discovering when I got involved. I, like I said, I was looking for an activity with, with people that were motivated and interesting, um, but I really wasn't looking for, like, in a, in a way, um, a family within, within an activity. So when I started sailing, I really did get kind of embraced in a way because I I, well, I would say that I appreciated the endeavor. So, and so skippers would invite me to go sailing and people, you know, we, we shared a lot of knowledge and we gave a lot of, you know, feedback back and forth. And, and there was a good sense of like what we call crewnity, like you were part of a crew and it had this unified purpose and, and you built these moments where you spent a lot of stressful times, but fun times with the group. And then then you kind of bonded over that, you know, that shared experience, either shared victory or defeat, whatever it was. And then when you come off the water, you still kept in contact. You just didn't disappear from each other. Um, and so it built and built and built. And I found that I, I did, I really enjoyed being part of that and I wanted to foster it. So I got really involved with our local yacht club, which was great um, because it allowed me to reach out and connect with others and to keep um, being an active steward of the sport and also to, in a sense, hopefully change the conversation a bit about the role of women in, in yachting and women in the, the sport of sailing. Um, you know, as, as the first female Commodore of Davis Island Yacht Club, they did not, I don't want to say they didn't they were welcoming in, in many ways, but there was a, still a lot of holdover about can, should, is this possible? And, and it was, it was some, one of those experiences where had I not had a, a good support of a community around me that believed in me in, and, and focused on like, yeah, you're, you're good. We'll help you. 
um, I don't know if I would have been willing to to try to be the the, the leader of of that community um, because I, I did have a group of what I called my 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 chamber of wisdom, my old guys um, that buttressed, and they were my friends. They were in their sixties and seventies, but they were my peers. So we hung out, and they helped. and And I think that from early on, from being you know part of that kind of team that that goes takes to the water and and works hard together to to working together as a as a group to to solve some of the issues of the yacht club or or the community itself that the, the thread that runs throughout that was the mutual support and the mm -hmm. assistance in helping each other you know being we're all on this boat together literally and metaphorically like there yep. that it really was um and I see it even now in that, like we're we're currently right now at the um, yacht club trying to start conversations about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging to figure out how we can introduce the sport of sailing beyond just um, the audience. It's it's being shared with right now um, because it is a worthwhile endeavor that that doesn't that shouldn't be gendered or or situated only in one racial experience or one socioeconomic experience. Right. It really is broad. Um, and so I would say that that's, that's the community that I found um, and that the community that has bolstered me and I have in turn tried to bolster it. Yes. And you do a great job because you're still serving the club. You've been serving the club for years because when I was a Thursday night race captain and then you were the fleet captain, I think right after that mm -hmm. yeah. season and the Commodore, the first female Commodore. I remember that. I was like so excited for you. Like, yes, if anybody can do it, it's Kat. And you did such a great job and you're still doing a great job serving with membership and really being an active participant. So that Thursday night going out there just to meet people, to see what's going on yeah. in graduate school has turned into this amazingly beautiful life that has um, probably taken you in directions you never imagined back then. <laughs> Definitely. I, I will, I will. Yeah. Right now I'm currently, um, learning navigation. Um, I have been for the last year and a half studying weather and weather routing because I am assuming the, the role as uh, part of the navigation team for Merlin, uh, racing, uh, the Transpac this July. So I, at no point in any of my, my even during my sailing did i think oh you'll navigate across the pacific ocean um that was never part of my plan but it's 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 a it's a it's a knowledge base that i'm interested in learning and i've been working i'm working with a a, a world-class uh, navigator adrian callahan who was our navigator last year or not last year in 2019 um, but because of COVID, she's kind of trapped in Australia. So by proxy, she's working with us to to help us develop a strategy. And and it's really an interesting, very different. I had no idea that I would ever go into that space. But I also had no idea that I would ever um, kind of cross oceans. And that's something very, like day sailing um, was always in the cards. Uh, some short distance racing was in the cards. But... 2000, like when we did the um, Transpac in 2019, it was 2,386 miles. And that was the longest and furthest that I'd ever been on a boat. And it was a very humbling experience. But at the same time, when you're finished with that, you're kind of like, 
okay, so I'm I'm good with about anything. Like this is <laughs> I I got it. It it does give you a jolt of confidence and a little jolt of like, okay, we we you will I'll I'll throw something else at me and we'll we'll figure out see if we can figure that out too. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so what when you think about all of your sailing experiences, share with us a story that you would put in the category of a calamity, something that's just hysterically funny or weird or off, or like you just look back on it and go, oh my word, how did we make it through that? Well, Diane, you know exactly what I'm thinking because it was one of my first calamities on a boat. Um, I had been sailing for like 15, well, not for 15 minutes. It was my, it was the 2004. So it was my second kind of racing season. I was on Simplify. We were delivering um, Simplify from, um, I think it was behind, it was, it was on the intercoastal and we were delivering it back and it was really windy and we had a really shifty motor. It was you and me and another young kid, Colin, and it was really shifty. And I just remember I had no clue, like none, like I had, I had just enough knowledge to be dangerous and I was not, <laughs> I was not ready for any, any calamities. And you, on the other hand, have been sailing for a while. You were calm and cool. And we had, we had, we were approaching structure E in Tierra Verde and the motor cut out and we, you knew the motor was, was finicky. And so you told the young kid, you're like, throw the anchor. And Colin went forward and he was a young kid, um, but he threw the anchor, but it was not tied to the boat. <laughs> and so we watched the anchor go and it's breezy. I mean, it was 2530 and it's on our back and we're being pushed towards the bridge. We're trying to get the bridge tender to open the bridge. Um, you were steering eyes on the radio. The kid is still looking for the anchor road, which has long since disappeared. And and we hit the bridge. And at that point, you're in you're in like like control mode. I'm in like I had my cell phone. I remember I called nine one one. I was pan pan security May Day on the radio. I'm screaming up at the bridge tender to not open the bridge. Uh -huh. um, and and it was one of those moments that it was cold. It was windy. We were yeah. literally hanging off of a bridge. Um, literally, literally, like 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 soap on a rope in a sense, right? We are there. Um, Brian had just replaced the backstay. So um, I, I just remember thinking all of these things. And then Florida Fish and Wildlife showed up. They pulled us off. We went right to the little marina beside it. Um, I, I called Brian and I said, first and foremost, the boat's okay. We're okay. And he was just like, what has happened? And I'm like, we're not going to be, can you come and look at the backstay? Um, and, and that was something that it really hit the epitome of, of if it's going to happen, it's going to happen on a delivery. It's going to be, it's going to happen when you're not quite sure what's going to, what's going to go on. And there's going to be a set of circumstances that are going to be outside of your control that you're just going to have to roll with. And I just remember at the end of it all, the boat owner comes down and you're there. We're all there. And, and everyone's just like, we got it. You guys are good. Boat's fine. Everything's good. We're going to race tomorrow. And I just remember thinking like, no, no, we're not okay. Like that was just a, like a lot of adrenaline peeps. And, and it was, a, it, but it primed me because now when I go on deliveries, I've, I've always 
the, the anchor is tied on. There, there's, you know, like there are, there are protocols in my head that I'm following through. And it's, it, it, it gave a sense of like, if it's, it's not that bad, you're going to mutter through it. Even if you are literally hanging off of a bridge, yeah. <laughs> you're going to be okay. So yeah, because a really strong cold front had gone through. Yeah. It was, it was, and that's why it was so windy right on our transom. Yeah. And that engine died and Colin threw that anchor over with all the road. Yep. <laughs> It was like, oh, nothing no. that could happen. I mean, it was it was out of our control. And at that point, it was like, let's manage the disaster. And we did. And I, did. I, I, I don't, you know, yeah. and like I said, coming out of that, it was it was as if, OK, we'll just move into the next role that we have to. Mm-hmm. We'll make the phone calls. We'll do the things we have to do and we'll get the boat back. And mm-hmm. and that's the the thing I love about sailors is that there is a tendency um, to, to just get on with it, you know, okay, this is, this is a a situation that seems overwhelming, but if you just take one step, do one move, Mm -hmm. put one thing down, handle it in one way, you're going to get out of it. Right. And, and we ended up still racing the boat. There was no damage on the boat. No damage. That was, that's the thing that was a miracle hanging from the top of that mast that long with that kind of tide and and just swept. Right. That was crazy. And the boat was fine. Yeah. And we were fine. Like everything was fine. Everything was fine. We raced. We still won both of the year that year. Yeah. Yes, we did. So everything <laughs> was fine. No, no harm, no foul. Everyone had their fingers and their toes. So mm-hmm. that is a calamity. That's a good one. I hadn't thought about that one. Like, yeah, that is a good calamity. Yeah, that's the calamity. Right. And so, you know, I always say sometimes that that's how you win a race. You know, you, the person, it's the team that can clean up the mess the fastest. Yes. You know, like you can be a really, really great sailor, but if you can't clean up a mess, whether it's sale problem going around a mark or whatever if you're not good at cleaning up the mess quickly then you're really exposed to probably not win as much as you would like to yeah. you know if you're racing for sure yeah yeah totally especially when you're you know got all kinds of weather conditions happening and things like that yeah no <laughs> they you sometimes are fighting more than yourself um, um yeah it's it's not always <laughs> it's not always clear cut someone once told me that um sailing on a sailboat or racing a sailboat is like playing chess on a moving field where um the pieces also move independently of themselves and not always in the logical place so i always it's just it's it's a it's a lot to take in but it's it's a beautiful endeavor um and it's a great place to meet people and a great place to test yourself and and to find yourself yep totally so what about night sailing do you like sailing at night um, I've gotten used to it. Um, it's, it's just a different, you know, animal in some sense. Um, we just got done doing the Fort Myers race, uh, the, uh, Davis Island to Fort Myers because of the wind they brought us out. So it was about 90 miles. Um, and that, that is always an odd race cause it's not long enough to get into a watch. I will say like, if we're in a, a situation where the night times are broken up by like you're on for four hours and off for four hours right that's that's a little less i guess you'd say. that's a, for me that's more enjoyable because i know what i'm responsible for but like for this race we were very low-key we only had six people on the boat we were really short on crew um and so it was bizarre because at about, oh God, one or two in the morning, I had been sleeping on deck and I woke up and I knew that Brian had been steering for a while. So I was like, I was like, go, go rest. I'll, I'll take the helm. And he's like, steer 181. And then he went down below and 
and it wasn't that breezy. Um, it was light. Um, but everyone on the boat was sleeping. And it's one of those moments where you realize either A, they're really tired, B, they really trust you, or C, they don't know any better. So, or some combination of that. So it's a it's a moment of reckoning when you realize that you're responsible for the vessel um, as it is. But then, unfortunately, the wind shut off and one of my crew, I woke him up because we were having to tack a lot. So in the middle of the night, a large portion of people were sleeping or pretending to sleep while the while the both of us sailed the boat and raced it um and so that kind of nighttime sailing is 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 both exciting because you're by yourself um and you're working things out in a different way um but it also can be it can also be really weird to to just kind of feel all kind of in a sense all alone but responsible for something bigger than you um i enjoy night sailing um i always take the if i do sign up for a ship i i usually take the one to four a.m shift um i like i like being i find that on races um if you can push yourself through the one to four period then you're usually going to to be able to 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 do well in the race um much to the chagrin of my family, he was like, well, where do you guys go when when you sleep at night? Do you just stop the boat and you just all go to sleep? And I'm like, no, no, no. We're, we sail all the way through. We just do um, uh, watch uh, watch rotations. Yeah, I had somebody ask me once if we, if somebody like the Coast Guard or whoever came out and put like a big fenced in area that we would sail all the boats. <laughs> and that's where we would stay in, in like a hotel, I guess, and keep going. Oh, no, no, no. We keep going. I mean, I remember in high school getting ready for the Mexico race when I was a teenager and before the race, like, I think it was four or five days. It was mm -hmm. several days, at least before the race. My mother put my brother and I on watches. Like we were living on a watch rotation, four hours on, four hours off in the day and three hours on, three hours off at night, well before the race started. So we yeah. were already in that system, you know, mm -hmm. in that sleeping pattern because at, at the time, Windswept was the smallest boat to ever make that trip. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm like, yeah, that's just what we do. You just keep going. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't, there's no, there is no pause. There's no pause button. And, and usually in, in offshore racing. So it's, it's just go, go, go. Yeah. Keep going. The way we, we would do really well is, is my brother and I would pit, you know, who could go furthest on their mm -hmm. watch. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're not only racing the boat against other boats or racing against the other people on our team on the other watches. And but it keeps you going. It keeps yeah. the mind going. It keeps you sharp. Um, and that's how you win ocean races is yeah. the people who like start cruising in their ocean racing and they're not really tweaking things and paying attention on those different levels. They might have fun, but it's a different outcome. Often. Yeah. We have, we have a crew member who, if people are kind of feeling a little, a little worn down, will say, well, are you riding or are you racing? Uh, so, Good and it question. usually, it usually shocks people into a little bit of like, um, well, of course we're racing. And so then they'll get up and, and, and mutter about their day and do the work that they need to do. But sometimes you need to be reminded because it's a slog, but it's a good slog. And, and when you get, when you get to the end, we've, we've been, um, really blessed, um, by the, the skipper that we sail with Chip Merlin in that he finds it, um, our shore team and our shore experience is just as important as the boat team. So, all of the distance races we've done, except for Cuba, um, because of the travel regulations, he has brought his family, 
Um, my daughter has pretty much always been on the dock to catch the lines when we come in. Um, his his family, the family of the crew, he thinks it's it's a it's a it's a it's a family endeavor, which is really really special. And not a lot of skippers kind of take that that into account, but it has been. It has been a really, for me, a special experience to have, like, for instance, Wyani, when she was her, she was three, it was her third birthday, she met us on the, she met us in Bermuda when we sailed the Newport to Bermuda race, and she was right on the docks to say hi to Mama and Dada, so that she, she's growing up with a sense that, that this is what Mama and Dada does, this is what you can do, I can do, anyone can do, and it's, it's been good, um, it's been good to see her on the dock. Um, I have a feeling that much like you and your brother, uh, that she will be joining us on the boat um, or on a boat sooner rather than later as we make some of these crosses with crossings, which will be really special. Also yeah. really interesting too. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yep. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. I was racing when I was her age already. So yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So if somebody's listening to us that is kind of new to sailing or a lot of people that I've been getting emails from who are finding this podcast who are mm -hmm. like, I just love all the stories and, and it kind of piques their curiosity and they're interested in maybe checking it out. And we've mm -hmm. already told them, you know, go to your local place and check it out and things. What would be some of the things you would tell them to look for to let them know that it was something that was for them? Mm -hmm. You know, so they, they land in the, in the yacht club or they find a place that somebody's willing to take them out then what 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 should they look for um it's in some ways it's it's your gut i'm a big gut person you know trust it it will it will guide you but you know when you're stepping into a new situation and you're going to find that sailing has about 200 different terms for everything that's on a boat and 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 there's always something to learn i mean none of us even if you've been sailing all your life you go out on the water you learn something new it's just there's it's a it's a it's an exponentially um, driven sport. So I would say if you come down, you don't have to know the terms. You don't have to memorize, you know, any of the the, the technical attributes. But come with an open mind. Um, I would recommend showing up early. You know, so if you have the opportunity to come out and do like an open sale, or if you sign up for a class at your local sailing club. Um, sh sh show up a little bit early and just familiarize yourself with what it looks like. Get a little bit of ontological certainty about what that's going to be like and watch. You know, um, I didn't mean to do it, but because I wanted to know more, I would show up early and help people set up the boats. And so then you're talking to someone as they're running the lines and they're talking to you about stuff and you're starting to hear like what this looks like and you're starting to also take the time to figure out like oh so it goes this way not that way and you're you're able to familiarize yourself with the platform and the people um and you're helping and you're you're already building that that kind of you know experience so i'd say show up early show up willing to like step in and and try stuff out and then really you know it kind of goes in the back. The, the sailing is really a short amount of time for, for like the time actually out on the water is a really short amount of time when you start thinking about like the boat prep and the boat 
you know, like the, the closing the boat up and, and like the actual amount of time you spent actually out there doing what you want to do is, is a short time. So I would say when you're learning, the best time to think and ask questions is not out on the water always because you're in the experience. But when you come back, ask the questions, you know, ask, why did we do this? Or what does that, why does, you know, why did that happen? Or, um, and you're going to get information and they're going to give you, they're going to share it with you. And then while you're doing that, you help them clean up. Um, I always also, um, you know, was willing to do a lot of positions that, um, that I guess you'd say because of my skill or my, my physical presence, I was suited for. So I'd say find where you feel suited, you know, and not, it's not like that's all you have to do. I mean, you can, I mean, you can do a lot of different things on the boat, but find the place where you kind of feel comfortable and then use that as a platform to try other spots. Um, yeah, that's good advice. And I think trying other spots and even when you know you're comfortable yeah. in a place, especially as you're learning, is trying out other things really helps in the long run because it you get a lot of confidence and a lot more knowledge when you understand other positions, even if you yeah. don't do them all the time. I think that's really, really good. And and don't and and like I said, trust your gut. Like I've been on boats where people have been screaming and yelling at each other, and I'm like, this, what are we doing? Um, and I've been on other boats where they've also been screaming and yelling at each other, but it's a very different vibe, right? Um, right. I sailed right, with a, right. a father and son that they yelled at each other like all the time, but it had nothing to do with the race. It had nothing to do with performance. That's just their that was their communication style. Um, but you've got to feel comfortable. So you've got to know, like, if I want to be on a hyper competitive boat or if I want to be on a boat that's going to, you know, take things in a different way. It's like it's like find the place where you fit and feel comfortable um, and know that you can come into it at any time. Like we have at, at Davis Island right now, we have individuals that come down and they're retiring and they're like, I always wanted to learn how to sail. And they're jumping on boats and getting, you know, getting familiar with it right next to kids that are, you know, coming out of you sailing, having never been on a keel boat, like only have been on like the small opties and the lasers and such. And they're learning together. So it's there's no age limit. There's no there's no body type requirement. There's no gender requirement. Just show up willing to, to have an open mind and, and try to figure out where you want to fit. Yeah, that's perfect. And it's true. And there's so many options and opportunities because no two boats are the same, even, you know, and then they have little boats and big boats and ocean racing and they, there's so many different options that the best thing to do is just start going and trying yeah. different things. So when you're, cause you do a lot of Fordeck and you are uh -huh. really genius at it and you're very uh -huh. good at it. And that's not the easiest position on the boat. Those of you who know about that are listening, know that already. And those of you who don't, I'm telling you, it's not easy. <laughs> um, I have many friends on the Fordeck who I've watched people, you know, drop the um, four guy too fast and hit them, yeah. plunk them over the head. And, we, you know, I, we could go on anyway. Yeah. But my question for Kat is <laughs> um, because it's one of the most dangerous spots on the boat and it requires a lot of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual um, oomph to get it done yeah. and do it well. Do you ever use your intuition along with your, knowledge and your physical ability to help you with that yeah. position. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's as much as it's, it's a, um, it is, it is the space and place where they're like, 
that's Adventureland, and it is. There's a lot going on. Um, there is. I will say that you. It is your gut, and it's and it's um. It's an it's an odd combination. Um, I've been doing bow for a long time. It's been my it's my favorite place to be on a boat, and everyone is always like, "Why you're you're smart." you know how to helm, you've got, you've got like all this different skill set. Why do you keep throwing yourself up there on that boat or on a boat? Right. And I'm like, it's, it has immediate consequences. Um, it rewards you for preparation and, and timing and being part and working in, in, in time with the back of the boat. So, and if you don't do it, you know, immediately, like there is no, like you're, the consequences of a mistake are evident and automatic. And they come from a lack of preparation, a lack of planning, and in some ways, a lack of faith, right? Um, I, I don't, I, I don't want to say that it's, it's, it's up to like, you know, like I will just tie this on and let, you know, let the, the divine figures figure it out. But there's a lot to be said in trusting that, I've checked this. I know it's good. I know it's going to go up, and and having the the mm -hmm. confirmation and faith in yourself and in others that it is, um, and yeah, it's intuition, and it's and it's oh, it's a lot of that. It's it's the it's the position that accountability just it comes right down to you, um, and I do enjoy it. I do. Um, I will say that doing bow on a 68 foot boat was a very different experience than um the the boats that i had done in the 25 to 35 foot range yep. and so working working that's a very um different setup because you have a bow team and you're working together and when a team is good uh, like we just did the pensacola race we did um st pete to pensacola and we were doing sail changes and the, there were a group of four of us that were on the team that were in the bow the forward team we blew up a kite we did, i mean we were we were in what would be a very stressful situation in an, in any any way but it it worked really well because as a group of four we we bonded we were we were in this together we worked together everyone was checking each other and, and catching each other. We were jacking, we had used jack lines, so we were jacking in to make sure because the boat's very wet. And so we were taking a lot of waves. And it was that, ex you know, like, yes, we had lots of calamities to deal with, but as a team, we worked together, which is very different from being, when it's your position and it's a solitary, like a one design race, right. but being part of a team also just brought that even further um, into into stark relief that it's, it's faith, it's accountability, and it's 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 that sense of preparation. Yeah, proper planning prevents poor performance. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. You know, and so like on a boat Merlin size, there's the there's a four deck team. So that's a team within the bigger team, mm -hmm. and then there's other teams. And so it every there's always a perfect place for everybody. So if you're curious, just go keep checking things out. You'll yeah. find the right place because you'll know it. Your gut will tell you. You're like, ah, this is this is the right place for me, because there's. I mean, I've had lots of different experiences all over the place and some of them, I, I appreciate all of them, but some of them I love, like that's my spot. And other places yeah. like, that was good. It wasn't the ah part, you know, it wasn't the same. Yeah. So it just kind of depends. So well, um, is there anything you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about yet before I ask you your last uh, question? 
Because there's a million things we could talk about. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. There's a lot. There's so many things. Um, I I think that the 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 where my head now goes with sailing is 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 in addressing and and calling in people. You know, sailing has, and we know this, Diane, from from the competitive side of it. It has a. It can be shame based. It can be you. You call people out instead of calling them in sometimes, and it happens, particularly on very hyper competitive boats. And we have a tendency to to push people away in a different way when we're in that very competitive mode. And so, the last about two years, I've really worked on calling, trying to call people in instead of calling out and really trying to take ownership in and being a steward of the sport and not just being a competitor in the sport and thinking about how we can make room for individuals um, who may not want ever to cross an ocean, who may not ever want to race in a hyper competitive regatta, who may just really want to use this as a way to experience nature and their family, to be part of it. And I, you know, I think that's, if there was one thing I'd, I I always try to talk about when I talk about sailing, whether it's with my students or with my friends or with my family, is that this is a good place. And don't, don't think that just because you haven't been represented in the past in it, or you haven't had the experience that you think you need to have that that you were you were not made in a sense to feel part of the team that you you just didn't find the right team and so let's work on finding that right team um i i want to and i take ownership because i know that i have at times been part of hyper competitive teams where we have pushed and and prodded people in different ways that just not okay and i want to be part of a different space um and i i see that happening at our yacht club right now and in sailing in general um, U.S. Sailing's doing some amazing diversity and inclusion panels where they're talking about like what does it mean to not have it just be this one way. Um, U.S. Sailing is trying to shift and, and change where where we bring people in instead of saying no, we don't want you in here. And and that's where I think my my if I had to project what I hope my next ten years of sailing looks like, I hope that it's bringing more people in. Um, maybe maybe some some trophies here and there, but that, that the real prize will be bringing more people into the sport than 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 the ones that have been in there so far. So, yes, that's perfect. In fact, you just answered my last question, and that is what <laughs> do you hope for the future of the sport? See, she's intuitive. I told you. Uh, so, the future is to really bring more and more people in, and that's one of the missions of this podcast is to share our experience and our stories and our lives so that the curious people or maybe even people who just find the podcast who didn't even know it was a thing started listening and hear some of the legacy and some of the lessons and some of the value much deeper than the short time we're on the water it transcends yeah. all of it um to, to have to have that opportunity and that option so that they can grow and expand and you know have a more full life so that's the whole point of the podcast so yeah it's perfect well, cool. Yes. Um, it kind of worked out that way. Yes. Very, very good. So Kat, thank you so much for being on Sailing Legends with me today and sharing. And hopefully we can get your husband on the show. And then maybe if we can get both of them to say yes, do um, an interview with them as a couple, because they've sailed together as a couple quite a bit. So yeah. that would be <laughs> a really fun time. It would so, be. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to just put out in the universe and just say, well, if it works out, it works out and that'd be really fun. So thank you again, Kat, for being on the show. 
Thank you, Diane. I appreciate it. And like I said, come out, come and try it out. You know, trust your gut. It's a good time. Yes, it is. And if you're anywhere around Davis Island Yacht Club, you'll be welcome with open arms and in the Tampa Bay area, Florida. But there's people listening all over the world. So go find the local sailing where you are. And any sailor I've ever met is happy to talk to you about sailing and happy <laughs> to um, bring you in in some way because that's just the nature of the sport and the people involved. Yeah. So until the next episode of Sailing Legends Podcast, may you have fair winds and following seas. This is Diane saying, see you next time. <laughs>